How do you do, fellow kids, and welcome to Reskinned, a weekly episodic discussion of the star-studded and scandalous teen drama phenomenon of the late 2000s, Skins. This week we'll be talking about Cassie, another episode written by Brian Elsley, who created Skins with Jamie Britton, and directed by Paul Gay. And that's the same team that directed the first episode as yeah, well, they, isn't it? Yeah, they do the first couple of episodes. I think they sort of create the... the Set the tone. Set the tone. Set the tone for Skins. This week we'll be partaking in another signature drink. This week we have a Tequila Rose Strawberry Cream, which was your selection. Well, yeah, this is actually not a drink that I had when I was a teenager. I'm not even sure if it was available at that point. I'm not even sure if it should be available, to be honest <laughs> with you, because it looks... But I did have Baileys on the odd occasion as a teenager, so... Um... I've strongly disavowed of milky drinks in the past, so I'm not sure how I feel about this one, but bottoms up. Well, how do you feel about Calpol? Right, there we go. <laughs> uh, not very good just now. Um, I did ask on Twitter earlier, my own account on Twitter, whether people had signature drinks as a as a kind of teenager before they were of drinking age and I've got lots of suggestions for future episodes of this podcast so stay tuned. Um, I've also set up a new Twitter for the Reskinned podcast so please give us a follow on at Reskinned pod and tweet along and tell us what you think of the episodes uh, and some of your feelings about skins. You can also drop us an email if you want to recommend for instance a, a, a teenage drink for us to, <laughs> to partake um, our email address for this podcast is reskinnedpod at gmail.com. Fantastic. And we'll recap that again at the end. So this is Hannah Murray's first acting role. I thought that was worth mm. uh, saying. And, you know, even though yesterday I kind of suggested that Cassie was slightly over the top, really this episode I think is an absolute showcase for Hannah Murray's acting talent. And I think that was something I didn't appreciate as much my first time viewing. But knowing this that was her first role, she really just lights up the screen in this episode. She, she lights up the screen. She lights up the screen. Oh, that's a very like high school review of something. <laughs> um, I have a little hip- hypothesis, uh, a question I think that I'm going into this episode with for you and for the gentle listeners. And that is, is Cassie a manic pixie dream girl? Mm. Do you know what a manic pixie dream girl is? I do know what a Manic Pixie Dream Girl is. My understanding of a Manic Pixie Dream Girl is a kind of media trope that is a girl with um, with exaggerated, whimsical, fantastical attributes who comes into the story as a sort of catalyst for the for the male protagonist to, you know, um, you know, as a love interest or. Um, to kind of play some sort of role in his arc, but the emphasis is on how quirky she is. That's almost it. That's a lot of what it is. Uh, but let's pretend you didn't say that. Okay. Um, so from my potted history of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl from a Guardian article that I just read, um, it was created by the film critic Nathan Rabin, um, although he's since disavowed it as a term. And he created it when he was talking about Kirsten Dunst's character in Elizabethtown. Kirsten. Um, Kirsten. Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten 
Kristen. Other examples of Manic Pixie Dream Girls would be Ramona Flowers from Scott Pilgrim vs. The World and Zoe Deschanel's entire career. A Manic Pixie Dream Girl exists solely in the fevered imaginations of sensitive writer-directors to teach broodingly soulful young men to embrace life and its infinite mysteries and adventures. Uh, and Manic Pixie Dream Girls are said to help their men without pursuing their own happiness. And such characters never grow up. Thus, their men never grow up. So, again, my question mm. is, is Cassie a manic pixie dream girl? Something that this character, I think, has been accused of being in the past. Okay, so we'll get started with our recap. So the episode opens with the aftermath of a party at Michelle's house, uh, and Cassie wakes up covered in food. Yeah, she, well, it kind of looks like she's got vomit on her hand, first yeah, of all. What, but then what was that? There's like, but then there's a sauce pot, like, next to the bed. Oh, a little sauce pot. There's a sauce. <laughs> she dips her hand in the sauce pot. <laughs> well, it's like, I'm not sure whether it's supposed to be, like, porridge or something. I or don't whether know. it is puke. I don't know. I think you're supposed to um, question what it is. It's not very mm. pleasant. Cassie sees, in this scene, Chris naked on the sofa. Chris, of all the cast, I think, is the one who's naked the most in these first two series. Cassie checks out Chris's dick and says, poor Chris. Yeah, this is a pretty weird scene. Like, Jal's also awake at this point as well, and she's kind of blasé about, oh yeah, yeah. check out his dick, and it's kind of, okay. <laughs> Although what I did like is that Cassie covers Chris up and then, like, tents the sort of duvet cover to make it look like he's got a big dick which is sort of weirdly sweet and very Cassie. This is something that Cassie keeps returning to during this episode because she then goes to give Sid a kiss on the cheek. There's a lot through this episode of Cassie giving people little physical... She's very tactile. She goes up to kiss a lot of people in this mm -hmm. episode and there's a lot of kind of reaching for physical affection, I think, with Cassie. One thing I will say about this episode, and I think it sort of kicks in here, is that it's very dreamlike and woozy. Um, it has this real tone to it that is slightly different to some of the other episodes and I think quite ambitious for television. Yeah. Um, the directing is really good, I would say. This is this is the episode that made me really want to continue watching the series. And like you said, there's a it, this episode is directed in a way that's a bit more evocative and it's a bit more interesting, I think. Than... It feels it feels like a film actually at certain points and I'm sure I'll talk about that later, but Yeah. And there's a, <laughs> there's a bit in this very strange opening scene where, you know, after Cassie kind of um sees Chris and speaks to Jao, she kind of goes through to the kitchen and she walks through like cartons of spaghetti that's been cooked and just hung up on the on the door yes, frame. Yes, I like that. I think a it's nice really touch. nice. There's something sort of Alice in Wonderland about it and, and about Cassie as a character in general. So in the next bit, she checks out Anwar's bum while he's praying and says that it's cute. Uh, this is quite a nice little scene between uh, Cassie and Anwar, two characters who I don't recall ever having too much kind of interaction together it just feels quite nice mm -hmm. and sort of grounded. And we also see um, a lot of Cassie's outfit this episode, which is one of my outfits of the episode Wow, already, as well. we've already. got already. outfit of the week. Um, again, like in the first episode, she was wearing um, kind of gold as well. And this week she's wearing a gold dress and gold Mary Janes with white socks. And it's I a look. Love a Mary Janes and white socks moment. Um, when she initially put that dress on at the start, I did wonder whether this was a 
direct continuation from the last episode, uh, but I think it's a different gold dress. Mm-hmm. So Cassie then goes to remind Michelle that her mum is coming back today. So during this little reminder, Michelle and Tony are sharing a bed and Sid is sleeping at the end of the bed like a dog. And Michelle is still sort of half asleep when Cassie goes to remind her and sort of dreaming away, Michelle says, crazy bitch, never fucking eats. So that's a little bit of a sort of subconscious... uh, I don't know if it's that subconscious. (laughs) Michelle calls Cassie a crazy bitch and then Cassie says yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I just drew a little sad face in my notes for that. Mm. Um, Poor Cassie. So Cassie in this scene kisses Sid on the forehead and leaves a little lipstick mark. Again, she's quite sweet. She's very sweet and very tactile Mm -hmm. and very... There's something very loving about her um, and I really like her as a character. I will also say that in in this scene, in addition to her outfit of the week moment, she has a canvas tote bag. So I feel like she was quite ahead of her time. She was a Greta Thunberg green queen before such a thing was a going concern. I can't, it's for a band, I think, but I can't remember what band it is. It's... And then we meet Michelle's mum, who I can't remember if she gets a name in this. Anna. Uh, Anna? Yeah. Played by Arabella Weir. Arabella Weir. And I think this is one of the great bits of... Um, of parent casting because Arabella Weir and, and Michelle have a real sort of similarity. They look like they mother do, and daughter. They do. And I think that the demeanour, kind of slightly haughty mannerisms that, that Arabella Weir brings to the role are a nice kind of counterpart to, to Michelle's personality. Yeah, I would agree, actually. Also excellently cast as Malcolm, who is Michelle's mum's boyfriend, is Danny Dyer. The one and only Danny Dyer. In an all-white outfit. Um, It's established earlier on because she's got a calendar in the kitchen, a Westlife calendar in the kitchen, that Michelle's mum is a Westlife fan. uh, And I feel like this all-white... Danny Dyer outfit is a is a continuation of that, a tribute to that. So Michelle's mum tells her, tells Cassie, that she's got a client coming soon. So it's a bit of an uh-oh moment. Mm. And then there is a, a fantastic scene, a perfectly cut scream, where Michelle's mum <laughs> screams and everyone jumps out of the window and runs away, yes. which is very skins. It's very train spotting, actually. It reminds oh, me a yes. lot of the scene that's got Iggy Pop's Lust for Life on it, where they're all kind of running down the road. I ah. think that's... I don't know whether it feels it's an like a direct, yeah, yeah, direct reference. But the thing as well, just before we move on, there's there's another instance of what becomes a, a recurring theme through the episode, which is Michelle's mum Anna kind of patronizes Cassie, and then yes. is a bit like, "Oh, well done, pop!" Like this, and really does sort of talk down to her, and that's something that we keep coming to through this episode. And I I think that's quite interesting as well, because people do infantilise Cassie, but also there's something quite childlike about her in the way that she presents herself. So there's an interesting dichotomy in that, because I don't think she necessarily likes being patronised. Following this perfectly cut scream scene, uh, we get this little scene of Cassie on the bus. And this is another scene to me which feels very sort of cinematic and, and... I kind of thought that it was felt like a an indie movie. Um, it was just this little moment of breath with Cassie, which we don't often get in yeah. television, and particularly not in television for younger audiences. Mm-hmm. 
it was a little bit it reminded me a bit of um andrea arnold or something along oh, those lines. Wow, okay. yeah but it's um, a rap catcher <laughs> <laughs> quite but she's um the moment where there's a little sort of toddler who's on the bus with cassie cassie writes the word eat uh, on a post-it and pops it on the window she doesn't write it she oh. just gets it she has a post-it. She has a post-it. A mysterious post-it appears. Stuck on her somewhere with the word eat on it. And she sticks it on the window and then this toddler offers her a chocolate digestive. Yes. Um, which I think is a, just a really nice sort of, not ambiguous scene, but you're not hit over the head with dialogue. Cassie doesn't speak to the mum and mm. it is, you, it's just left as is, and I think it's a really nice little scene. She's quite a nice, like, weird-looking little girl as well. Like, there's something really nice about this scene. It doesn't hit you, you're right, it doesn't hit you over the head with anything, and it just feels quite unusual to get something like this, something that's pure character, but setting up this little mystery for the episode, which is this, this post-it note with the word eat on it, uh, which is a recurring motif. So after that we get Cassie at home, another lovely estate from Skins, um, with an orange Volkswagen camper in the driveway. Uh, I don't, I forgot, we kind of find out in this scene, I'd forgotten that Cassie has a little brother, a baby brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she seems to, and Cassie seems to be the one who's really the caretaker of the baby and the guardian yeah. of the baby in this instance. She's the one that kind of changes his nappy and makes sure he's fed and things. So we get another piece of celebrity stunt casting with Neil Morrissey as Cassie's dad. Neil Morrissey at the time would have probably been best known from his role in... Men Behaving Badly. Men Behaving Badly and as Bob the Builder. Oh yeah, so he was. I'm not, I'm not sure where that comes in the timeline, whether that was before or after. He is also another man in all white in this scene. And his first line is, I want to eat you, fuck bunny, to Cassie's mum. Delightful. Delightful. What do you make of Neil Morrissey? Neil Morrissey is, is Cassie's dad. Again, I think it's a good piece of uh, of stunt casting. I like this whole recurring element through the, through the series where we have recognisable figures from sort of 90s TV and comedy. I didn't recognise Cassie's mum. Yeah, she's at, well. The the scene there's a scene later on which kind of requires nudity and quite full frontal quite nudity. Full, full frontal nudity. There's a lot of that in this episode, actually. There is. Um, so I think that's why the the actress that they cast is a bit lesser known, but she's uh, she does a great job. She does. And speaking of nudity, there is a perfect portrait. There's a few portraits on the wall. One of Cassie's mum having given birth, presumably to this little brother, with the umbilical cord still intact. Um, And then there's this other portrait painted by Cassie's dad of Cassie's mum ironing with her boobs out, which is how I do the ironing. Yeah, another another kind of interesting, perfect piece of set decoration, I think, in Skins. I think they're very, they pay a lot of attention to detail with these things. Yeah, I think we need to do a count of how many... Uh, paintings of naked ladies there there have been so far in quite the a lot quite a lot yeah we should keep count running tally um so following this scene we get this little moment with Cassie and her brother mm-hmm. like you said she kind of takes the little brother to one side puts him to bed her parents are so absent um, in this scene, they're too busy kind of shagging. Mm-hmm. You hear them shagging next door while she's looking after the little brother. Do you want to say anything about Cassie's parents? Yeah, I think although it is played for comedy in this episode, it is apparent that, yeah, Cassie's parents are neglectful and, you know, some of their behaviour is slightly inappropriate. Um, and I think with hindsight, you see the impact that 
their behavior has on on Cassie throughout the rest of the yeah. episode as well. And I think what we were saying about her um, being really tactile and and really seeking affection that is clearly tied into the the lack of support that she gets from her parents yes i would agree i mean i think in skins nobody's got great parents there is a bit of a line later on i think where effie quotes from good old philip larkin um they fuck you up your mum and dad but i think there's something quite interesting about presenting that as comedy but kind of seeing the impact of it later on i do think that's intentional mm-hmm. that that would be my take on it. So during this scene, this scene with Cassie's little brother, it's another kind of woozy, dreamlike Alice in Wonderland moment. In her brother's room, he's got a a mobile above his bed, which is playing a lullaby, uh, and Cassie receives a text message which says, eat. So another in this recurring thread of Cassie getting these messages, these mysterious messages telling her to eat. But who from? Mm. So after that, we've got a scene with Neil Morrissey. I just keep calling him Neil Morrissey and not like Cassie's dad or whatever the character's name is. Neil Morrissey painting his wife naked. They keep forgetting that Cassie's going to the clinic today to get signed off. Another another example of that neglectful parenting. Yeah. So following that, Cassie gets into a taxi uh, to go to the clinic, which is called Restoration. And she's um, she's preparing for her appointment there by lining her skirt with some weights, with some hand weights. In the taxi, we meet Alan, the taxi driver, who's this quite mysterious uh, character. And he's the only person who's nice to Cassie, so far anyway, which made me question whether this was real. Yeah, I I think there's a real question mark over... Well, Alan himself, the taxi driver, may be real, but there is a suggestion that parts of the conversation are perhaps in Cassie's head. Mm. There's a kind of unusual exchange where Alan, out of the blue, says, I love you, Tiny. And Cassie says, oh, I love you too. And it's it feels like it's maybe a bit of wish fulfillment, perhaps, mm-hmm. on Cassie's part. And having, you know, somebody who's a stranger or somebody that you wouldn't expect to have that closer relationship with saying that. If it's not in Cassie's head, then it's a little bit strange. (laughs) Um, I also think, um, sort of related to that, there's a a bit where Cassie smiles at Alan uh, and he says, not that smile. Uh, And Alan's the only person, so far anyway, who cares enough about Cassie to sort of call her out when she's bullshitting and when Mm. she's faking, uh, which I think is quite interesting. And it is quite a nice little scene that ends with Cassie and Alan listening to and dancing to Move Bitch. By Ludicrous, yeah. Well, Cassie's sort of politely bopping her head along to the beat. Is Which is funny. very sweet. Uh, and very skinned, that idea of kind of undercutting the the teenage melodrama with this real sense of humour. So we get to the clinic, which is called Restoration, uh, the clinic where Cassie's been treated for her, um, up until this point, for what we know to be her eating disorder uh, and kind of mental health. And I put in my notes that it looks like Hill House. Yeah, it's quite an intimidating setting, isn't it? Like an old uh, 1800s building, looks yeah. like so. Um, I think there's an implication that it's a private facility as well. Sort of Cassie's parents just throwing money at her problems rather than actually mm-hmm. doing anything to help her or actually spending any time with her at all. We're introduced here to another one episode wonder, the girl who's drinking lots of water oh, yes. before her 
um, weigh in. I thought this was quite interesting scene. This girl, I'm, I've got a real recollection of her showing up in an episode of Unseen Skins with Cassie, but I couldn't find it today. Uh, so Unseen Skins, we should note, is uh, a collection of sort of shorts and mini episodes um, that were, were they web exclusive where they I, put online or i think it might be going so far back as that they were on myspace oh, wow. actually <laughs> they were shared online following each episode just this little usually like a little scene from the episode or from the upcoming episode mm-hmm. sort of here's what the other characters were doing off to the mm-hmm. side um in this in this scene as i said she's um the other girl is drinking lots of water before her way in so that she can kind of cheat Mm-hmm. the system and get signed off. I thought this was quite interesting. So with mental health particularly, the best practice is not to show people any way that they can kind of mm-hmm. uh, self-harm, I guess, mm-hmm. on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this one, we're kind of seeing how you can cheat the system. Yeah. Um, and we do have an, another example of that later on. And I just thought that was quite kind of interesting. And I wasn't sure how I felt about it. One of the ways in which Skins was quite groundbreaking was the fact that in other teen dramas, when you saw somebody dealing with an eating disorder, um, it, well, it was dealt with generally in the span of one episode. They got some treatment, they were better. And that's not the case with Cassie's arc, and certainly not in this episode. It's quite ambiguous as to how she's, like, what her actual reaction to the treatment is, and the fact that we've got representations of these two girls here who are rather, rather than engaging and getting better with the treatment, they're wanting to get signed off as quickly as possible. Mm. I think there's one interesting things about Skins' depiction of mental health is that there's this real sense of a system that is broken, that's not actually helping people. Mm -hmm. In addition to the parents kind of not helping, the system itself is not helping and it's kind of inadequate and it doesn't speak to the people that it's supposed to be speaking to. Um, And I think that's very kind of common. So in my other life, I guess I'm a youth worker and I I think that's quite common to young people's experiences of things like CAMS and and kind of mental health services. Mm -hmm. And I think that bullshit system is never more apparent than in the the next scene where Cassie's having a conversation with with the kind of head of the facility. Well, it's our psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. Who's Dr. Stock, who turns out to be the mother of Abigail from the first episode. Yes, I thought that was really interesting. And just to kind of wrap up that bit about the bullshit system, though, uh, Dr. Stock in this scene is literally timing their meeting with a stopwatch. Mm. Uh, and then at the end, she kind of punches in how much it's going to cost, um, which I think is uh, very, very bleak, but also quite funny. Yeah, and she also she gets Cassie's name wrong. She calls her Carrie. And... Yes, another crazy teenage girl. Do you think that that oh. must be an intentional reference, right? I hadn't thought to about that. Stephen King's Carrie. Yeah, but the fact that she's obviously... It's not person-centred treatment, uh, no. to say the least. And again, uh, Dr. Stock is sort of patronising Cassie yes. and talking down to her and infantilising her as well. Um, one of the things I kind of think about that, about uh, Dr. Stock being... Abigail's mum is I hadn't really kind of remembered how connected a world Skins Mm. was Um, and we'll see that again later on in this episode connections back to episode one and while they're in that kind of conversation having that conversation about Cassie being signed off uh, there's a naked man running around outside being dragged in I think by his balls by a nurse sort of classic 
representation of mental health facilities oh, on television and film. Um, and the next scene, we have Cassie in group therapy, which I think is very, very real and quite grim. Yeah, and who else happens to be at the group therapy other than one Madison Twatter PhD from last episode? Oh. Yes. So he kind of recaps what happened last episode with Sid, where Mad Twatter gave Sid three ounces of weed um, with the intention that Sid would sell it and bring him back 300 quid. But Sid, as we know, lost the weed. The dope's gone. Uh, and Mad Twatter never got his money. And if the penny didn't drop for Cassie when he was rhyming all that off, he says, this is the guy here. And he shows college ID card, which is, of course, Sid. Cassie has a shocked expression on her face. <laughs> <laughs> so in this next scene, we're at the college. We're back at Roundview College and it's lunchtime. Sid has still got the lipstick kiss on his forehead that Cassie gave him earlier. There's a fantastic little character moment in this with a dinner lady who's dressed as a pilchard. She's dressed in this big fish costume, making jokes about Jamie Oliver. Yeah, and this is one of the things where it really messed with my head a bit. You know, you see these characters using flip phones and you think, God, that's an ancient relic. And then, you know, the kind of mention of Jamie Oliver's camp, you know, because at the time, Jamie Oliver had a whole campaign about um, healthy eating in schools and kind of improving school dinners and stuff. And that feels like it would have been more recent yeah. to us than, you know, than it would have been to, that it would not have been current in the world of skins. Yeah, Jamie Oliver has been a sanctimonious asshole for a lot longer than I remembered. A fascinating fact about this pilchard costume, um, it was given away as a prize. I really remember this oh, very, wow. very, um, uh, I really remember this. It was given away as a prize in a competition on E4 and it did make me kind of think, like, I wonder who has it. I wonder if the person still has it because it belongs in a museum. If you own the pilchard costume, <laughs> <laughs> Why not give us a tweet? <laughs> so also in this scene, we meet Posh Kenneth, um, played by Daniel Kaluuya. The one and only Daniel Kaluuya. And uh, yeah, this is a, a bit of a bizarre character, isn't he, Posh Kenneth? He's a very specific character, and it's a very specific joke about code switching. Yeah. So Posh Kenneth code switches between his, his kind of street rap persona, using lots of different slang and patois and stuff like that, and things that a lot of the other characters can't understand, and this kind of very posh English accent. You get the sense that he's uh, a lot more middle or upper class even than he likes to present himself mm -hmm. as. Daniel Kaluuya, um, one of the Skins cast who would obviously go on to be nominated for an Oscar. He was nominated for Best Actor in 2018 for mm -hmm. Get Out. Get Out. Get Out. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a little bit of a Skins trivia quiz for you. Which other, which two other Skins cast members have been in Oscar-nominated films. Okay, so one's definitely Dev Patel. Dev Patel, yes. What was the Oscar-nominated film? It's Slumdog Millionaire. Slumdog Millionaire, which won Best Picture in 2009. Mm -hmm. Dev Patel was also nominated for Best Supporting Actor in two, uh, 2017 for his role in Lion. Oh. And who was the other... Skins alum to be in an Oscar nominated film. Uh, was it Caius Scodelario? Nope. Um, I don't know. It was Nicholas Holt, who was in Mad Max Fury Road, which was nominated for Best Picture in 2016. I completely forgot that was Nicholas Holt in that role as yeah, well. Yeah, he's like a crazy kind his of. brain is silver in his mouth and all yeah. this. What is he? Like a mutant or something? Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's 
It's yeah, Mad Max, it's isn't, it? Weird, isn't it? What I thought was interesting about this scene in the college, um, kind of meet Posh Kenneth and Maxie and Chris are all there hanging out, but Sid goes and sits on his own. Mm, well, he gets a bit of a ribbon from the boys, doesn't he? Oh, the, does he? Yeah. Okay. So he goes and sits on his own and Cassie sits with him and quite rudely starts rearranging the food on his plate. Yes. Um, this is Cassie's thing, that she likes food to be in order and kind of uh-huh. all present and correct. Uh, so she rearranges all the chips on his plate. One of the thought, one of the things I kind of thought was really interesting about this scene... Oh, my, my kind of favourite thing about this scene is that Cassie has a necklace made of rubber lizards. Oh, yeah. Which is my outfit of the week, part of my outfit of the week, but I'll talk about that later. But she, during a conversation with Sid, she says, you love Tony. And Cassie, I think, has been quite intuitive in some ways about other characters and how they relate to each other. I think because she kind of struggles with Mm -hmm. relationships of her own. I put in my notes that Cassie fucking knows that that is the theme of the entire first two series. Mm -hmm. Um, That Sid loves Tony and maybe Tony loves Sid. That's a hot take. That is a hot take, but I'm sure we'll come back to it at some point. So Cassie's rearranged Sid's chips. I think this is a, a fantastic scene. It's another one where... I kind of felt, had that feeling that they were showing you how Mm -hmm. to get away with stuff if you maybe did have an eating disorder. Cassie goes through what she does to give the impression that she's eaten something. So she's changing the subject. She's asking questions. She's answering questions. She's moving things from one plate to the other and kind of showing Sid that this is how she does it. One of the things... I did think was quite nice is that Sid notices that Cassie can pretend she's eating when she's not and, and he kind of asks mm-hmm. her to show him and like Alan the taxi driver Sid knows when Cassie's bullshitting yeah. while I kind of think that she's the only person Sid has who's on on that wavelength mm-hmm. I think he's the only person she has who can kind of ground her and yeah. and bring her back to earth a little bit he does kind of call her out here and says that seems a bit fucked up and Cassie thinks no one cares but Sid says he does, which I think is really sweet, and mm-hmm. and I think this real this relationship is one of the most interesting in the the whole of Skins for me, um, but certainly within these first two scenes. One thing that I would say about this scene, as uh, as somebody who had in my past done a fair bit of rearranging food on the plate and cutting things up and distracting people to make it look like I had eaten more than I'd actually had, Cassie's not hugely convincing at doing it. Mm. <laughs> um, it's not until she sort of hides the plate underneath the other one that she mm. uh, kind of disguises it but uh but there you go but again Hannah Murray does a great job at sort of selling the whole oh she really does uh, I do think the whole thing in addition to her necklace with rubber lizards she also has a watch on her ankle mm. which I noticed earlier in a scene earlier and I, I initially thought it was like a tag or something like, is this something to do with the she's under house arrest she's in or yeah she's got this watch on her ankle and then Tony turns up in the scene wearing a pink and black top which is very 2007 I had a lot of these vertical stripes tops at the time uh, and Tony does too. Is it like one of those rugby polo things isn't it? Yeah yeah but the kind of jazzy coloured rugby polo in different stripy colours and Tony tells Sid you stink. Sid again does really look like he stinks. Um, He's got this really greasy hair and he hasn't changed at all since since earlier. I think one of the one of the kind of interesting and again this this is where Tony, I think, as a character, was a bit ahead of his time, is that he's characterised as someone that a lot of the young characters kind of look up to and some of them are jealous of him and things, even though he's, like, pretty nasty and is 
cruel and yeah. unkind to a lot of them. But he has this line as well with Sid where he's, he's talking like, Tony's talking about, oh yeah, it's pilchard. I got some pilchard off the dinner lady, blah, blah, blah. And he starts rhyming off how pilchard's full of like good fats and it's good for your health and stuff. And it's like weirdly, he kind of feels a bit like an influencer. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like there's a sort of sort of toxic... A pilchard influencer. <laughs> but, he works for a big pilchard. Yeah. But um, it kind of, it feels like that sort of health, but rubbing it in people's noses that they're not mm. living up to the standard that... That he's setting you know and maybe on some level there's like a, a consciousness about that because he's talking to Cassie who he knows has her own kind of mm. issues with food and with eating so at the end of this scene Cassie who I think is very intuitive and very perceptive gets other people she pushes a drink over Tony while he's bu- mm-hmm. bullying Sid um, she's the only one within the group who's willing to kind of pull Tony up for 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 not being nice to people what a queen what, what an absolute the queen. Queen Cassie is in this scene. And when everyone rushes off to help Tony get his trousers dried up, Cassie looks down at her plate and the word eat is written in the chips. Mm-hmm. Before Tony goes off to sort of, he punches Posh Kenneth as well. Does which he? Is, yeah, which is completely out of the blue. Why? I don't know. That's not very nice. It's not very nice. <laughs> so in the scene where Tony is drying his trousers, turns out he's in the women's staff changing room and Angie the psychology teacher is fully naked um full frontal naked I initially thought this was Michelle and then I was like that's gross because she's supposed to be 16 Mm -hmm. but I do think there's a look between the two of them so Sid comes in and tells Tony that Mad Twitter has his ID card um, because Cassie's just told him that he's coming after him but Tony doesn't care he's quite kind of blasé about the whole thing yeah and quite blasé about seeing Angie fully naked I wrote in my notes what is this scene because it is just odd this scene like between the the sort of casual nudity of Angie and her like not really reacting to the boys being they're having like a really delayed reaction to them being mm. there and the boys just sort of hanging around and why did Tony go in there in the first place it just feels a bit weird yeah he says he goes in because the dryer's broken and the boys change oh, rooms right. or something like that but then at the end of the scene Chris comes in and makes everyone get out um because Chris is so pure and so good even though he does come back in for a quick perv on Angie so the next little scene is my favorite in the whole episode and like you said earlier was one of the things that made me come back to skins and it's this nice little scene of Cassie who's quite kind of spaced out kind of going around the college in this she's in kind of a world of her own and she's dancing her fingers along the the kind of railing yeah on the the banister and it's the way that it's filmed as well like the camera's on a dolly so so it's as if Cassie's sort of gliding along while she's you know walking her fingers along this this banister and there's no particular story point to this scene but it really I I feel like it does sort of capture Cassie's character Mm. the fact that she's in this small moment and she's sort of dancing to the beat of her own drum and it's it's that that sort of thing where you know it just lets you breathe with the characters and lets you kind of take them in and find out who they are that's the sort of stuff that I think is Skins is for all its kind of big bonkers moments and its kind of music and all the colour and noise in Skins. I think it's those kind of smaller character moments that really do bring you back and really, I think, I think those are the things that make these characters endure. Like, and at the end of that little scene, Cassie is sort of playing a bit of a magical thinking game. She's watching from the balcony over the college 
and she's saying, look up if you if you like me, look up if you like me, um, as Sid is walking past, uh, and he doesn't look up. Mm. Um, although other people do, including a teacher at one point, which is quite gross, but also a very Skins joke. Yeah, uh, but I think, again, this reflects an aspect of Ka- uh, Cassie's character where she, she can look for love in all the wrong places. Ah. This is like... <laughs> like Elma Fudd. <laughs> <laughs> but it did remind me of, we didn't mention it, earlier on but at the end of the scene with Dr. Stock she kisses Dr. Stock on the cheek in this yeah. sort of you know way that is socially socially inappropriate for that sort mm. of setting and really Dr. Stock's uncomfortable for it but again it's this expression of Cassie's wanting to be loved and wanting kind of affection from people. Mm. So following that we've got Sid and Angie having a little conversation uh, where Sid goes to talk to Angie about Mad Twitter and the kind of trouble that he's in Um, And Angie initially thinks he's coming to apologise for seeing her boobs. And he uses the line, for Christ's sake, Angie, I don't care about your tits, which I think is quite funny. And as Sid is confessing about Mad Twitter and the the trouble that he's got himself into, uh, Angie says, I'm a responsible adult, I know, which is kind of the attitude of a lot of the adults in Skins. Um, and Angie seems like one of the better ones, even though she gets herself into hot water later on. Well, yeah, I mean, she's she's obviously a hypocrite and she's obviously not all that responsible. Yeah. But she's trying, to, you know, she's tr- obviously trying her best to provide some kind of reassurance. So Chris turns up during this scene to apologise to Angie, wearing a very 2007 green and orange vest, a very Chris outfit moment, which I've just really enjoyed. It was one of my contenders for outfit of the week. So then they're all in English. They're in the English classroom. And Sid is very worried about Mad Twitter. And Tony says, I'm chilled, right? Just kind of blasé. And he just Mm -hmm. doesn't care that that his friend is in this situation. And then it turns out that Mad Twitter actually does have a PhD. uh, And he is the supply teacher. How could this happen? (laughs) (laughs) In what sense? Like, just Mad Twitter just rocking up. On the day that, you know, his teacher is going on to comment or whatever is, is the reason. Yeah. And uh, just so happens to get a job at this at the at the college with um you know I don't think he had his disclosure as PDG <laughs> no, he's through. just been um <laughs> he's just been signed out of a facility with clear anger management problems yeah. and he's been sent into work with these kids in a college. Well there we go. So, suspension of disbelief but it's that through the roof. That kind of that's the sort of thing that Skins is really good at. It's just these big sort of wild moments. It, it exists in this really heightened reality where where that sort of thing can happen. In Skins world, anything is possible. Anything is possible. As the long dealer as who you crossed <laughs> can come in and be your supply teacher. It's all good. So outside the college, they're all kind of trying to think up of ways to help Sid with this problem with Mad Twitter. I love how much of a mess they all look in this scene. A few of them obviously haven't been home from this party at Michelle's the night before. Even Jal, who's usually pretty put together, has mm-hmm. got this kind of messy hair. And she's wearing this very 2007 dress over a pair of jeans moment. Yeah, and Jal, again in this episode, kind of being the, the voice of reason and mm. probably the most relatable character. Yeah, just... she's she's one of my favourite characters and I sort of had forgot. I think because, you know, you remember the Cassies and the Tonys yeah. and the kind of big characters like that, it's easy to forget a character like 
like Jao, mm-hmm. who's the kind of sensible and maybe kind of boring character. Mm-hmm. And I get she's she sort of brings the conversation. She has sort of sensible suggestions and things, and it gets all a little bit lost in the in the mix. in the fray. Yeah, uh, and they say they'll 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 get back to Sid as they're leaving him, completely worried. So he he does what anyone would do in that situation and phones his mum. And while this is happening. Cassie is on her phone, which is another Motorola moment. I do wonder if they were sponsored by mm-hmm. these kind of Motorola flip phones covered in stickers. Yeah, stickers on the phone. I noticed that as well. And she gets a message, text message, another text message, which says, eat. She goes to confront Sid about this. And he says he hasn't been sending her messages. Ooh, the plot thickens. Uh, and then she shows him it and it turns out that there aren't any messages there. So another kind of Cassie as unreliable narrator. Oh. Is the whole episode? Is Cassie the reason? Is is Mad Twata not even really a supply teacher? Is that in Cassie's? Is the whole thing in Cassie's head? Oh my god! Interesting stuff. Um, In this scene, we get the best view of what is my outfit of the week, which includes this rubber lizard necklace and Cassie's skirt with horses on it. Well, and wasn't sure because I turned around and said to you, I wasn't sure if they were horses or dogs. I think they were horses, little cartoon horses with different sort of designs on them and stuff. Well, yeah, because um, one of them had wings and kind of looked like a pegasus, but there's a shot later on where one of them is clearly a sheep, oh. so they're obviously just little four le- four-legged animal well, figures with different... layers. Wow. So, at the end of this little scene between Cassie and Sid, Cassie says to Sid, I thought you liked me. Which is just heartbreaking. Poor Cassie. So after that scene, Cassie runs home quite dramatically and sort of crashes into a pillar on her way. She's obviously very upset. And then she heads home where she's got a drawer full of snacks. Yeah, neatly arranged food under her bed. And she goes to phone somebody. The implication being, I think, that it's Dr. Stocks. Yeah, because she she pulls out Dr. Stocks' um, business card, first of all, doesn't she? Yeah. But then she goes to a greasy spoon sort of diner at what looks like quite late at night. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think a 16-year-old should be out that late, but maybe I'm turning into somebody's kind of maw at this point. But she goes to this greasy spoon diner, which is called, I don't know if you noticed, Eats. Eats. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And there she meets Alan, the taxi driver. She does. And again, is Alan in her head? Um I think the scene is quite ambiguous, isn't it? That whole interaction could be read either way. Yeah, and Alan in this scene is sort of um, giving Cassie the encouragement she needs to mm-hmm. eat, and the episode ends before she takes a bite of the big burger that mm. she's ordered. Big question then. Is Cassie a Manic Pixie Dream Girl? I think that Cassie is a partial deconstruction of Manic Pixie Dream Girl. I think she's an entire deconstruction of the Manic Pixie Dream Girl before such a thing had even been named. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is what makes her quite interesting. She does well. That's the thing. She, I think, Cassie was the manic pixie dream girl in the first episode, but because of the nature of the series and because it has this really powerful format where each episode focuses on a specific viewpoint character, then we got a fuller picture of what Cassie is all about and what's really going on in her life and why the manic. It feels like the manic pixie dream girlness is sort of projected onto Cassie rather than it being something that she actually inhabits herself. Yes, actually. And particularly, I think, by Tony. He kind of has these little digs about her. um, How's Dippy World and stuff like that. And yeah, I think that's kind of 
foisted on her a little mm-hmm. bit. But I would say that as much as her relationship with Sid and the relationship that they have with each other and what they kind of give and take from each other mm-hmm. is is a huge part of the series. Mm-hmm. I think Cassie's own mental health and her journey with her own mental health and her fucked up relationship with her parents and that kind of neglect there is as big a part of her story as as anything she does with Sid. Um, and her relationship with her friends as well. She has a really interesting relationship with Michelle, I think, as the yeah. series progresses. Absolutely. And you, you see the little hints towards that Michelle's dis- sort of dismissive comments about her when she's half asleep. And, mm. But also in the first episode, the way that Cassie was sort of a pawn for, for Tony and Michelle mm. to use in their game with Sid. You know, it was um, the whole theme of Cassie not having much control over her own life and the little the little things in her life that she she has a little bit of influence over be, being really important to her yeah yeah oh yeah definitely that's very interesting so did you enjoy this episode uh i did this is like i said one of the things that you know there's a lot of stuff in this episode that brought me back to skins it's the episode that made me go I'm going to stick with this. I usually have um, a kind of three-episode rule with Mm. TV series because I don't think you can get enough always out of a pilot. And I think three episodes is a good uh, amount of of episodes to watch to get a real feel for something. But by the end of this episode with Cassie, I was just sold. Like, I wanted to know what happened to this girl and to these kids. Mm. Uh, And I was starting to get... You know, Jowl is coming through really strong in this, and mm-hmm. Chris is coming through really strong. Sid, uh, I'm really not liking Tony, which I think is one of the interesting bits of the series. Yeah, I think that's the thing because characters who are in the kind of background in the, this episode, Jowl being one of them, um, are still quite kind of magnetic yeah. and um, still like really feel like young people that I knew and and people like friends that I had at the time and, and people that you care about. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely a big fan of this episode. What about you? This I feel like this is a lot stronger, a much stronger episode than than Tony. But again, it kind of it captures like the highs and the lows of Skins. I think it's almost a kind of perfect encapsulation of Skins as a series because it has the really good, interesting character stuff. Um, and it has sort of the clumsy stuff in there as well. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I agree that it's as... I don't think it's as clumsy as you think it is. Mm. I think I think it's very of its time, but again, what isn't? But I think, yeah, there's just so much to recommend this episode. And I think, you know, the, the stupid bits and the funny bits are stupid and funny. And, yeah they're enjoyable yeah and once again I mean we said it out at the outset of the episode but the fact that this was Hannah Murray's first acting role yes um and the way that she really does carry carry this episode this is much more of a uh of a of a specific character episode than the first episode which was more of an ensemble piece yes I feel that Hannah Murray really carried this episode and it's quite an extraordinary performance I would agree. I think the first episode has a lot of moving parts and it's doing a lot of work yeah. to introduce this. Because we hadn't seen anything like this 
in the UK certainly, mm-hmm. um, and and this was very new, and there was a lot that was very new about skins. So I think it was doing a lot of work to bring you into this world quite yeah. quickly. But I think this second episode has to be the second episode, but it also just has such room to breathe, and and I love it. So, one more question. Is Alan real? Hold that thought, because I have a sense, a vague sense that Alan comes back. Um, He could could still be fictional then, but... uh, I need to see more evidence before I make my uh, judgment on whether Alan is real or not. Do you think he's real? I think that... Alan himself as like a taxi driver is a real person but I think that parts of the conversation that he has with Cassie are imagined and I don't think he actually comes to the diner in the last scene. No, I think Alan is what Cassie needs and I think she gets what she needs from Sid eventually. Anyway, (laughs) and on that note, we shall see you again. Remember to subscribe on iTunes and to leave us a review if you would like. Five stars, please. Uh, And give us a little tweet at reskinnedpod. Yeah, please feel free to send us an email at reskinnedpod at gmail.com if you've got anything you'd like to say or to share with us. And we will see you next week. Grab your clarinets because we're going to visit Ciao. It's me, Cass. Crazy bitch. Yes.